The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's in this league. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. Come again with Scott Bogman and Chris Welsh. Can't wait. What does that do? Did that blow your mind? That just happened. Welcome in. It's In This League on the Sports Grid. Get on the grid. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Please follow me on the Twitter, at Bogman Sports. And I'm joined by two guests today. It's my friendos that I work with over at the CFB Winning Edge. It's Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge. You'll follow him on the Twitter. It's a real tough one, at CFB Winning Edge. And my friend, Xavier Trish. You can follow him on the Twitter, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. Nick, what's going on? Are you ready for the draft, man? I'm, I'm excited about the draft. I, I, we've talked before that I don't always pay uh, as close attention to the NFL as, as I once did or, or as I do to college football. But part of it, I think, is you know everything that's going on. And, and then part of it is I'm, I'm starting to get that itch a little bit to, to get back into the NFL. So I'm, I'm paying more attention to this this draft, I think, that I have in, in years past. I, I always have watched them, but they've always just sort of been, you know, kind of the last bit of college football for these particular players. That's always the way I, I viewed it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this draft and, and looking forward to talking about it tonight. And, Xavier, I mean, you watch the NFL uh, on a weekly basis. And if I'm not mistaken, because I know you're a Georgia fan, you're a Falcons fan, too, correct? Uh, of course. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're, um, what's your most favorite part about the draft? Uh, I mean, uh, you've been watching the draft for a while. I mean, not as long as Nick and I, because you're not even close to the same age. <laughs> you're still a baby compared to us. But uh, what is it that you enjoy the most about the NFL draft? Well, first and foremost, I love the the heartfelt stories that we get. Um, hopefully, we are able to get those with the virtual draft that's happening this year. The one thing we won't be able to get that I'll miss is I kind of do like the guys who end up sitting in the green room for like four and a half hours. That's actually kind of <laughs> fun for me. Uh, you know, you know, call me a terrible human being if you want to, but like, you know, seeing them have to sit there, you know, after everybody told them, you know, not to go up there and see if you could get drafted in the first fifteen picks. Now you're getting drafted at thirty-two in hour, you know, six. You know, nice job. So, uh, you know, we won't be able to get that this year, but so I'll have to miss that portion. Uh, so what? what's the – I'm trying to think of uh, who's the guy that sat in the uh, in the green room the longest while you've been uh, watching the NFL draft? 
was it Quinn? Oh, Brady Quinn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Brady Quinn did last a long time. I remember that. And he was like, he had taken his jacket off. Um, him and his girlfriend were, uh, you know, um, just kind of putzing around. I remember that. But uh, the the one that is the biggest memory for me, and it's probably just because he's so good now, uh, is Aaron Rodgers. Nick, do yeah. you remember Aaron Rodgers just sitting around with his weird soul patch looking pissed at like every five, <laughs> that was awful. Every five minutes? <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. And, and, and uh, because if, if memory serves, I mean, we thought he would be, you know, a top five pick or something. I mean, it was between he and, was it Alex Smith? Alex Smith was the number one yeah. pick in that draft, yeah. So there, there was a thought that he – was going to go really high was in, in the conversation for most of the draft season as, as being one of those uh, top, top picks and to see him slide as much as he did uh, was certainly memorable. And, and it seems that perhaps that, you know, added a little bit of uh, fuel to his fire motivation, which, which is uh, an interesting part of the NFL draft for me. I, I like that Xavier brought that up because when we're doing all our college football stuff, I, I am pretty analytically minded pretty just you know grounded in the numbers first and foremost and then everything else is sort of uh, additional but I, I think at the NFL there's a lot more art to the science and and analytics of course are, are big and, and have a place but I think that there is more of an impact for a, a player like an Aaron Rodgers to you know think about that moment those hours that he spent and every team that passed on you know passed on him uh and to use that you know it, it, as he's uh working out in the summer or watching film whatever it is i feel like there's maybe a little bit more uh, of that sort of motivation that sort of thing that we can't quantify uh that plays a role in in these professional players and that has fueled his entire career i mean you yeah. hear him talking about it all the time and he didn't even go at the very end of the first round either i think he went like what was it like 22 or something to the packers in that draft but he was expected to go top five a lot of people are saying that Tua might might be seeing that this season uh or tomorrow today as you're listening to this uh so I, I don't think that's going to happen with Tua but uh let's just kind of jump right into the guys I mean you know obviously you know we talk college football every single week over at CFB Winning Edge so we've watched a lot of these players and uh Joe Burrow last year Nick just made um it, the most unbelievable jump I think we'll ever see from one year to the next as far as, you know, unbelievable gameplay goes. Now, we do see big jumps, but it's usually uh, because a guy had never been starting before or, you know, a wide receiver is added with a new quarterback that's actually good or something like that. This was a quarterback that had plenty of experience and then all of a sudden, you know, looking at mock drafts from September, people didn't even have him in the first round. People didn't have him, you know, on their radar. I didn't. And now he's going to be the number one overall pick to Cincinnati. And so I'm just wondering, number one, what do you think of uh, his transformation? And number two, is that the pick you make if you're the Cincinnati Bengals? So I'll, I'll answer the second question first. Yeah, I think that Joe Burrow to the Bengals makes sense. I, I'm a believer in Joe Burrow. I, I saw, you know, just just how incredible LSU was last year. And uh, Joe Burrow 
was the biggest reason for that. And and there, you know, he obviously had an incredible amount of talent around him, playmakers at the receiver position, had great coaches. Joe Brady certainly deserves some credit for helping LSU modernize its offense. But Joe Burrow was the one that made it go. And his accuracy, which uh, everything that that I uh, have heard, the, the, the smart people that I rely on, put accuracy as, as the most important thing for a quarterback. I love that he's the son of a coach. Uh, I love that he does have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because people did, uh, you know, have him uh, underrated, uh, maybe even coming into the season, but also, uh, you know, he had to transfer. He, he didn't get the job at Ohio State. Uh, he, he was looking for an opportunity somewhere else and, and used that sort of as the motivation that, like we were talking about earlier. But uh, more to, to that point, I, I have been doing deep dives on, uh, teams recently where I just sort of focus on one college football team, watch several games of theirs, uh, you know, the TV copy and, and uh, read specifically. And, and I spent uh, a couple of days last week on Vanderbilt and uh, I opened the, the season opener. Vanderbilt played Georgia and I was rewatching that game and uh, Aaron Rodgers' brother, Jordan had uh, his rankings, his top five SEC quarterbacks, and Joe Burrow was not on that list. And it was just very interesting to see, you know, he put Tommy Stevens at number five, and there was no mention whatsoever of Joe Burrow. And that I, mean, I would have put Joe one. Burrow ahead of Tommy Stevens. I mean, Tommy <laughs> Stevens needs to move positions. He's not very but, good. So you know, if we if we think back to this time last year, yeah, the conversation was okay. Tua's number one, Jake Fromm's number two in the SEC. Who's number three? And people right. were making a case. Oh, maybe it's. Uh, you know, maybe it's Kellen Mond, maybe it's Felipe Franks, and and Joe Burrow was usually pretty low on that list. I mean, people were were saying Jake Bentley before they were saying Joe yeah. Burrow. So uh, it, it was very interesting to see because I, you know he was obviously a, a topic of conversation as I've gone to other. You know, when I rewatched Texas A and M was the next team I looked at, watched their game against LSU, and that was at the the regular season finale, and Joe Burrow was all but locked up the Heisman Trophy and the number one uh, draft pick and, and all of that. So it was interesting to see how the perception of him changed over the course of the year. But uh, absolutely, I'm a believer in Joe Burrow. Just just the way he uh, orchestrated that offense last year was was really incredible. I, I, I think that the only thing I can compare it to was Cam Newton is one year at Auburn. Just the, the impact that one player provided. I, I think – as far as my college football viewing experience, at least in the last decade goes, that's the only thing that comes close. Now, Xavier sometimes has dissenting opinions. Uh, he he uh, <laughs> is the guy that is known to be uh, the, the most, ar- well, I mean, I call you the most argumentative. I'm probably the most argumentative. But um, uh, on our show, but I mean, Joe Burrow as the number one overall pick here, Xavier. I mean, it just, it seems to make too much sense for the Bengals, but I know there's still like my guy Emory Hunt said he would take Chase Young and then try to take Jalen Hurts in the second round. Uh, there's people that still like Tua. So uh, what are you what are you thinking for the Bengals in that pick? Well, I'm a huge proponent of of trading out of the first pick of the draft unless there's somebody there who I think is an absolute lock. And I'm in the minority. I don't think Joe Burrow is an absolute lock at the quarterback position. Um, you know, I think that, yes, he had one amazing season. But even if we look at Cam Newton, he had an amazing se- season at Auburn. 
And outside of one year at, at, in Carolina, he was a pretty average quarterback uh, statistically and, and win-loss record. Um, when you look at Joe Burrow, you got a kid who benefited from Joe Brady, who benefited from, you know, all of the talent that was around him. I think, you know, three of the three of his receivers are going to go in the first round in the next two years. I mean, that's not, you know, that, that's no slouch. Um, I think that he also benefited from an amazing defense that you know, really showed up down the stretch as well. You know, not to take anything away from Joe Burrow, I just don't think he's the number uh, consensus number all, overall pick. And if I was Cincinnati, I would trade out. We have teams like Miami who are trying to get as high as two right now and as high as three, and I would be willing to trade them one if they would give me their, you know, they have three first rounders. If you could give me two in a second, I'd absolutely move out of the first round uh, or move out of the first overall pick to do that to get their fifth, eighteenth, and maybe their second round over uh, second round selection as well to boost a team that really needs more than just Joe Burrow. I mean, Cincinnati sucks. They need more than just <laughs> Joe Burrow at the quarterback position. Um, and, and if they could do that and then swing, you know, three first-round selections, by all means, please do it. Now, they need a lot, uh, but but I, I, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on that point as far as, uh, you know, trading away, tra- trading out of the number one pick uh, to – to get two firsts and a second just for the fact that I I think if I'm not taking Burrow there, that's fine, but I would take Chase Young. So I don't want to move off of that spot. Uh, And Cincinnati, while the, um, while the roster isn't, uh, it's not an upper half NFL team right now. I think they're young enough and um, you know, they're getting Jonah Williams who didn't play all year last year back. He's going to play left tackle, their first-round pick from last year, and they already have weapons in A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, and Joe Mixon. So the offense, you know, you throw Burrow in there, looks like it could click on all cylinders. And after that, it's just, you know, building out the defense. I think the line is fine, Um, you know, although what team couldn't use Chase Young, right? But um, the line is fine. It's just getting speed at the linebacker. Uh, position and getting uh, better coverage from the corners, but um, uh, you know, I, I I don't know what the best answer is. All I know is that, like, uh, have you guys seen the like the calculation uh, thing for what each pick is worth as far as like pick points and all that stuff? Have you guys ever seen that kind of big board? Yeah, is that the, the Jimmy Johnson thing? Yeah, yeah, I think Jimmy uh, yeah. Johnson started, and there's a couple mm-hmm. different versions. I think that yeah. is a complete and utter nonsense. I don't believe in that thing at all. So, uh, because it just depends on, um, yeah, you know, how good is this draft? Like, it's fine if you use that, but I think it has to change for every draft. It can't just be, you know, uh, the first pick is worth uh, 1500 points and the second pick is worth 1450. And then it moves down from there. I just, I, I don't like that stuff at all. Um, but, uh, the number two pick, I mean, Xavier, you talk about a roster that's worse than the Bengals. Uh, the Redskins definitely is worse. Would you be taking uh, Chase Young? Would you be adding uh, Tua and trying to trade away Haskins like the Cardinals did last year, grabbing Kyler Murray? What are you doing it to if you're the, the Skins? Yeah, once again, I think if you can capitalize your draft, uh, your draft picks and stockpile, you absolutely make a move to do so. You know, we talked, you just alluded to it. The Redskins are awful. And the, the, the weirdest thing about it is their defensive line isn't the biggest issue. So picking up 
Chase Young, yes, it adds an amazing athlete who's probably going to give you at least 10 sacks, at least minimum is what we expect out of his, you know, rookie season. But you've got issues so many other places that the, that 10 sacks might lead to absolutely no growth as far as the win-loss column is concerned. Um, so for them, I would trade. Uh, I would trade as well, maybe with somebody like the Raiders, who have been very adamant about go, moving up that high to go get a guy like Tua. Um, they need help everywhere except for the defensive line. And I don't know if they're sold on Haskins either, which is really weird. Um, so they could be looking for a quarterback at two. Um, I think from a marketing standpoint, though, Chase Young is where you have to go. The yeah. kid's from Washington, D.C. So you got to go there. From that standpoint, at least he's going to put butts in the seats. And they need it because FedEx was empty last year. Uh, so, you know, they need it. Yeah, and Nick, I know you're a little less familiar with the teams and, and, and all that stuff than Xavier, but, I mean, Chase Young, it, it's hard to – for me, if you don't need a quarterback, which the Redskins seemingly don't because they took one in the first round last year, it's hard to trade off of that number two spot and not take Chase Young. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I, I can speak in generalities. So, right. Uh, right. You know, I, but, uh, uh, you know, Chase Young, in my opinion, was the best player in college football. Is all, you know, inspiring almost as, as Joe Burrow was at times. Uh, I, I still would agree with you know a lot of people who have young uh pegged as, as the number one overall player available in this draft i mean he he was incredible to watch last year at ohio state and and uh i think is a, an instant impact player i am am you know my the thing i want to do first and foremost if, if i'm a nfl general manager i i go with the best player available and and i think that you know sometimes the best player just falls into your lap and you kind of have to uh, take that opportunity and then build around it. Even, even if Washington doesn't need help, at, uh, you know, on the defensive line right away, one, I mean, defensive line is, is a position where you can never have too much depth, but two, uh, you know, perhaps you can insert Chase Young and, and then, you know, use pieces to uh, acquire more picks or, or trade. I am a, a proponent for trading down. I think a lot of times it makes sense. I mean, we were talking about the, the Jimmy Johnson, you know, trade hierarchy and, and, you know, perhaps it doesn't matter, but if it's become so widely used and well-known across the league, it, it, you know, maybe there's potential you can use that to your advantage to actually uh, get what you feel is a little bit more value than what uh, would normally be available. You know, maybe, maybe there's an opportunity at the, the second pick to do something like that. But I think if, if I'm Washington, you know, Chase Young is, is the number one player on, on my board just from a pure talent standpoint uh so you gotta so take if, him if he falls to me I, i'm probably gonna yeah take him. You, you gotta take him you gotta take the talent there i think especially when you're a rebuilding team but we're gonna take a break when we come back we're gonna uh take a, a deeper look at some of these uh higher picks here and then maybe talk a little bit about the wide receiver class and and see what these guys opinion is on it so uh stick with us it's in this league on the sports grid we'll be right back after this DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. 
Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, that dang old... In this league. Talk about www.wcom, you made you go click, 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 click. It's real easy, man. Uh, I don't know what you're saying, but that, that's what's going on, yeah. Welcome back. It's In This League on the Sports Grid. Get on the grid. I'm here with my friends Nick Allen. Follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter to follow him. And Nick, I mean, plug uh, plug CFB Winning Edge real quick. This is the show that the three of us do weekly, and you have a Patreon for all sorts of college football goodies. Absolutely, yeah. Check, check our... Uh... Our show out, uh, we record on Wednesday evenings each week, and, and usually that's uh, up by the end of the night, but uh, always uh, available Thursday morning. We deep dive, you know, we dive deep into uh, analytics and, and uh, talk of college football. Uh, just before we got on uh, today, we talked uh, at length about uh, New Mexico State and UMass and the other FBS independents. So if you like to uh, get into the minutia of college football. We, we certainly uh, uh, can help you out with that. We also have other shows where we don't talk about New Mexico State. <laughs> so you guys can check those ones out too. So they're uh, in my interest, people. Was that not a selling point? I, <laughs> I look, the depth is a selling point for sure. Missed. I just don't know if that's the one I would lead. Uh, I would lead with what we we did today was we talked about uh, G five uh, returning production, which is a very interesting look that Nick always puts puts together and then uh the independent teams we'd already done notre dame but we took a look at army and byu and that's why we're talking umass new mexico state and yukon and and those schools as well and that was the last of our uh conference preview series that we've been running over the last couple months there so uh we're going to talk start talking uh uh, all sec team next week so that there's a lot to go along but you know that's why i have these guys on here because we have the nfl draft starting today obviously going through saturday that that saturday guys always is rough for me because the draft starts at 9 a.m my time that's the one time i don't like being a west coaster so um uh, because i am a night owl very very much so so that 9 a.m call to get to the draft just comes a little bit early for me i'm gonna be like a baby giraffe walking uh to my desk at that point but um tonight and uh i don't know if you guys have seen the results of the draft uh but what i've been saying on this show guys and i think it's going to hold true is we will see more trades in this draft than we have in any other draft because you know because of the coronavirus situation a lot of these um gms were not able to see uh the the players as in depth as they normally would so i think the teams with a smaller window 
you know, your teams with older quarterbacks, your Pittsburghs, your Tampa Bays, uh, Indianapolis with Phillip Rivers, you know, uh, New Orleans with Drew Brees. I think you'll see those teams trading, and not necessarily those teams in particular, but you'll see the teams with a smaller window trading next year's assets to get things in this draft. And if you're out of it, if you're a team that, um, you know, is not going to win this year pretty clearly, then I think like Jacksonville, why wouldn't you be trading uh, this year's picks for, uh, you know, spots next year when you're going to get a better look at that class? So I think that's going to be the mindset of a lot of GMs, uh, unless there's weird technical glitches happening all over the draft, which I would love to see too. Like, give me the chaos, right? Um, it's going to be fun either way. Whether it goes off without a hitch or there's tons of hitches, I know I'm going to enjoy it. That's for sure. But um, <laughs> the uh, third pick in this draft, because we already talked about the first two, is really where I see the first trade coming. I think the Lions are trading out of this spot. Uh, like Xavier said, they have so, ma- so many needs, uh, specifically on defense. Uh, but they've got a ton of needs. So I think you got to move out of three and acquire you know another first-round pick, maybe two first-round picks, and something else to move off the spot because I think if you know the biggest one that's been talked about is them and the Miami Dolphins who are at five if you can get five and an extra first round pick or even just an extra second round pick you're going to be able to get Jeff Akuta there which is who they seem to want so Nick I mean you know you're the Lions at three are you sticking in and maybe uh drafting the heir apparent to Matt Stafford are you taking your BPA or are you attempting to move back like you had kind of mentioned before uh, I think I think if somebody is is intent on moving up to that third pick, and especially if you don't have to drop very far and can get you know one of the top uh, two guys on your board at you know five, if, if that's the case, I think that's pretty much a no brainer. I mean, that, that's uh, if you're able to accumulate multiple high picks to move down two spots and and still get your guy or have a a great opportunity to get your guy if, if Jeff Bakuda is that. Uh, player that you want, I think you have to do it. Uh, you know, if, unless they just fell in love with somebody like Derek Brown, and, and I know that Matt Patricia, of course, uh, his history and, and he's well documented how he wants to build a defense from the inside out. You know, Derek Brown's a pretty nice uh, piece in the interior defensive line to do that. So uh, there's really no bad option, in my opinion. I would probably. Uh, prefer to trade down. I, I do think Akuda is is uh, clearly the the best corner uh, available, and I think there is a little bit more depth at defensive tackle or the defensive line in, in general. So uh, if you just have to have him and don't want to take any chances, I, I don't uh, have a problem with sticking at three and, and taking Akuda. But if you could move to five and feel confident that he's still going to be there, I think you have to do that. GM Xavier, are you moving down? Are you taking Tua? Uh, what are you doing if you're the Lions? For the third time in a row, I'm moving down. You, you, you hit it on the head, Nick. You feel If you feel like Akuda's the guy and they really need another corner, they need a starter. Yes, they picked up Desmond Trufant in the free agents market, but they lose Darius Slay. Um, and Matt Patricia can believe that you built from the inside, but when you know there's receivers running, frolicking around your field, yeah, you definitely need corners. Um, they got to look to move down, obviously, you know, the Chargers and uh, Miami at five and six are probably the two teams that are the, the biggest option for them to move down. But they can move all the way to the bottom of the top ten, and I think they'd still be able to get a Cuda if I'm perfectly honest with them. So if they can maximize, you know, 
maybe get, you know, nine and two first rounders to move back, I would absolutely do it. Um, you know, you look at the only other team that may go corner um, in that top 10, maybe Jacksonville losing AJ Bouye. Uh, but I don't really see anybody else needing corner help that much as much as uh, Detroit does. And so Akuda's your guy. Carolina down and could. Go find somebody. The, the, pan- could, the Panthers but could, got- but I, I think mm-hmm. I, I think at this point it's almost one of those things where um, that you don't even consider Akuda because you don't think he's going to be on the board. You know what I mean? Right. And, and so when a guy like that falls in your lap, maybe they just go, "Well, we have him higher on our board, and he fell to us. Why wouldn't we take him?" You know, it, right. and, and that's and that's where we get to weirdness, and that's why you know I I, I do enjoy seeing mock drafts, right? But I know, like, I don't particularly care for the mock drafts that do a bunch of trades because we just know those trades are not going to be what actually happens in the draft. Like, there's always some weirdness. There's always some craziness. You know, I mean, remember when the Raiders took Furl last year and everyone was like, what? What is happening here? They were losing their mind. So Mm -hmm. I just think that uh, I think mock drafts kind of, you know, the – the second something crazy in the draft happens, they all look silly. And, and you're going, well, what were we thinking here? You know, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm with you guys. I'd move back. I don't even kind of want to speculate on what the Giants are doing. I assume this is Tristan Wirfs. Um, you know, uh, I heard from day one as far as the evaluation process, like in uh, early January, that Daniel Jeremiah had said that uh, Gettleman loves Tristan Wirfs and is kind of infatuated with him. And we know, like, if he likes a guy, they're taking that guy. You know, they liked Dexter Lawrence last year, snap him up. They like Daniel Jones, snap him up. So it just it makes sense to me that Wurfs is going to go there. Uh, the Dolphins are the big question mark, really, at five. Should they move up to three? Yeah. Obviously, uh, the rumors recently are they're moving up to take a tackle. Um, I don't believe any of those rumors at all, though, guys. I think it's all smokescreen bullcrap. Uh, I don't like the fact that we're kind of getting that type of stuff. But uh, if I'm Miami, I think Tua is a franchise quarterback, and I'm not afraid of the injury stuff with him. It, the doctors have said that he's not at risk any anymore for a recurring hip injury because it was a freak thing, and he has recovered fully. You know, I think the big thing with the hip is um, pinching nerves and lo- having blood flow loss to that hip he didn't have any of that that's the big concern when you have that injury that's why it's so dangerous we saw him working out at his pro day and he looked normal and fine so i think tua was good enough at alabama that uh i'm making him my franchise quarterback if i'm the miami dolphins regardless of where i pick nick are you in on tua or are you uh bpa versus franchise quarterback I I really do like Tua, and I think if uh, for 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 me, I, if I were Miami, I'd be very hesitant to move up just two spots to to pick what you know whoever it is going to be. I, I I if you love Tua, uh, I think there's a chance that you could stick here and, and get him. If if you know it has to be Tristan Wirfs because, like you said, the Giants uh, love him. I, I think Wirfs is is a, a special player and very very unique. Uh, from an athletic standpoint, so I, I I get it, but I wouldn't want to give up. You know, uh, like we were talking about, there there are certain things that seem to have to go with a trade if you're going to move up in the first round, and and I feel like moving from five to three probably is not going to be worth it 
for the most part, who matter, you know, no matter who it is. So uh, I, I think if I were Miami, I would I would try to stick here. And if Tua is, is the guy, I would feel comfortable going with Tua. And, and uh, the only thing that makes me nervous is the uh, the injury history. And it's only because of this current situation we're in, because they haven't necessarily been able to, to see them, uh, you know, see him up close and personal. Uh, sure. There's, you know, there's the video and, and there's the, the, everything we've heard from the doctors, but uh, there's gotta be a little bit of doubt that creeps in your mind. If you haven't been able to actually stand right next to him and, and you're investing tens of millions of dollars in, in this person and hoping they're going to be the centerpiece of your franchise. I, I understand being, concerned about the injury and especially one of the things you know accuracy and command are obviously to his uh primary assets but to is is one of the things that i think uh gets overlooked is his pocket presence and the way that he can create time uh which you know is certainly going to be a factor it's very very important we also you know we always talk about oh, this team's given up so many sacks and blamed the offensive line. Well, some of the times sacks are on the quarterback, and Tua has done an incredible job at Alabama of giving himself enough time and, and you know, uh, helping alleviate the pass rush in, in a lot of ways. And, and because of the particular injury he's got, it makes me just a little bit nervous, you know, a little bit cautious, uh, or I would understand if they're a little bit cautious and maybe putting a little more weight on it uh, this year than they would uh, if they were able to, to see him up close and personal. So I get where they're coming from if, if there are concerns, but I love Tua as a player. I, I think he's going to uh, do very, very well, and, and he's a guy that uh, this time last year, everybody, you know, two is number one, absolutely, without a doubt. So uh i i feel pretty good about it if i'm i'm miami I, I would try to stick here you know roll the dice and if two is still there uh i would go with him xavier are you are you with nick and me where we're going with tua uh because this team needs a franchise quarterback you know ryan fitzpatrick can play but he's 37 he's my age so that's not good if you're in the nfl <laughs> Uh, that he ain't going to last much longer. So um, right. uh, I think I would go franchise quarterback. Are you going with Tua or, you know, are you a Justin Herbert guy? W what do you think about this spot at five where uh, the Dolphins are? Well, well, just a little caveat. To start off, the, the Dolphins are trying to get to three without giving up five. Yeah, um, I heard that too. I don't think you can. Yeah. I, I don't, don't unless you works. trade away the entire 2021 draft. Right. I don't think you're able to do it. Right. Um, but I'm I'm going to it here all the way. This is a kid who, like we said, without the injury would probably be going one. Um, and I think that the injury is just helping you out, Miami. I mean, they're, they're, it's giving you an opportunity to get, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the draft and a guy who I think is your franchise quarterback for, you know, however long. I think that Tua is, is by and far a show throughout his time at Alabama that he could play. And, and, you know, it only makes sense for them to go offense. They spent all of their cap space on defense um, in free agency. So the only thing that they have to do now is go to offense. You know, Devontae Parker last year was a guy who really stepped up at the wide receiver position. So that's giving Tua a number one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After you guys take, took him at what? I think it was like a nine, I think, or 11, Too something high. like that. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it gives them a number one. And I think, you know, you put him in a pretty good situation. 
you know, Miami's not an excellent situation. I, I'd much rather see two. If I had to choose, go to the team that we're going to talk about in a second and go to L.A. But I think that for Miami, this is your franchise quarterback. You don't pass up on a guy this talented in the draft for anybody else and for any reason whatsoever if he's there at five. Real quick, if that's kind of the way it goes with the, the top five, because we only have about a minute here, Xavier, are you going with Justin Herbert if you're the Chargers, or are you going with Andrew, Andrew Thomas? No, no Herbert for you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, because I, I genuinely feel like I'm, if I'm going to go with a guy here, he has to come in and, come, and take the job from Tyrod Taylor. I don't think Herbert can do that, and I also don't think we'll suck enough for us to uh, make that decision to go get Herbert. I go get somebody who can help us out in the future, a Thomas, a Simmons, somebody like that who can just make one side of our ball even that much more amazing. And next year we either look at a free agent or we look to trade up and go get a guy like Lawrence or Fields. But I do not take Herbert in this situation. I don't think he fits in the plans of, uh, of L.A. And I don't think he's the right guy for that system either. Yeah, the only reason I think that they they might is they do like the running quarterbacks. Uh, so... Maybe, you know, Herbert is is not unlike Tyrod Taylor in his skill set, uh, but I, I think I'm with you. I think I'm going Andrew Thomas if I'm there because they've had offensive line problems for too long. But we got to hit a break here. So when we come back, I want to hear what these guys have to say about this wide receiver class because, to me, it's the deepest. But I did hear a fair, a fair question. Is it special? And uh, I want these guys to answer that question. So we will dive into the wide receiver class uh, right after this break. It's in this league on the sports grid. Stick with us. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn-up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In this league. I thought we were going to be just friends. What? Friends listen to- In this league. In the dark. 
endless love time. You guys know what that means. This is the last segment of In This League on the Sports Grid for today. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you guys enjoy the NFL Draft. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, if you uh, didn't hear me say it before, uh, on uh, our on our YouTube for In This League, uh, youtube.com slash in this league. I'm going to be doing uh, live streams for the entire draft. The first day is going to be free to everybody where I uh, go over the first round and all that stuff live as it happens and give you kind of my fantasy analysis when uh, the skill position players get picked. And then uh, days two and three, you can catch me on our Patreon. I'll be doing it for all levels on Patreon. So for as little as a buck, you can get on there. If you're uh, five bucks, you get the list. I have my dynasty rankings up there right now. I will have on Sunday uh, first-year player draft rankings as well going up. The Welsh has over 500 minor league baseball prospects ranked, plus he's adding profiles. We have um, baseball rankings up there as well for a shortened season, and those will be uh, getting updated in early May. So if you could come and join us on our Patreon, that would be awesome. But guys, this wide receiver class to me is incredible. I felt bad. Like I didn't get to rank everyone in this class because there's just too many guys. It's unbelievably deep. Um, but I did hear the question of is this special? Is this a special class? I personally do think it is. I think that Jerry Judy is one of the best wide receivers coming out of college that I've ever seen. I think that uh, Henry Ruggs has, you know, Tyreek Hill type upside. I don't know if he'll get there. You know, I hate kind of putting that comp on him because I don't know that it's really fair. But I think, um, you know, CeeDee Lamb, as much as it, I hate to say it, uh, <laughs> could be an absolute stud because he's an OU guy. I think Justin Jefferson is much better than advertised. Uh, I love T. Higgins still. I like this class a lot. So, Nick, is this a special class that, that we're seeing here from the depth? And uh, how would you order those top three guys? And then who are a couple other wide receivers that you like? It's a really interesting question because before we were, you know, we were preparing for the show or as you were going to the intro, you know, talking about how deep this class is I was nodding my head and thinking like, yeah, you know, this is really there's so many players here that that I like. But when you ask, is it special? I'm looking down the list and and nobody, you know, I, I don't know that there's a Randy Moss in here. I don't know that there's somebody that's going to be, you know, an all time guy, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, a, a certain Hall of Famer. I, I like Jerry Judy. I think he's so smooth and, and uh, you know, it's almost like. You know, he's a carbon copy of, of uh, Cooper and, and uh, uh, Ridley, right? You know, the Alabama just keeps churning these guys out. I love watching CeeDee Lamb play. Henry Ruggs, from an athletic standpoint, is is, uh, is just, you know, top of the line. He's so fast, so explosive. But I, I don't know if there's somebody that's just going to uh, grow into – the best receiver in the NFL. And that, that's the first thing that, that jumped to my mind when you said, is, is this a special group? I'm not sure if there's a, you know, a, a Jerry Rice. I mean, and maybe that's not what this group well, needs to be special. There's maybe not another Jerry Rice. I mean, right. but, know, but you know, know I mean, you know, who, who's going to be, who's going to be a guy that becomes the face of the NFL from a wide receiver standpoint? Is he in this class? And, and nobody jumps out to me immediately. Uh, so I, I might shy away from, from saying this is a, a special group. I think it's a very deep group. I think there are certainly impact players, guys that are going to have long and, and productive careers. But I'm not sure if it's it's you know we're going to be looking back and thinking like man that 2020 receiver class brought us 
all these all pro Hall of Fame type guys. I, I'm not so sure. I, 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 it's possible, but but right now I I, I hesitate. Yeah, I got you. What Xavier? Do you think that uh, this class is special? I mean, I think we kind of, I think we would all agree that it's a deep class. But do you think it's special? Yeah, I think there's a lot of good receivers. I don't think there's any receiver we'll look back on this draft like we do when you know the 2011 draft uh, that produced so many ridiculous receivers like DeAndre Hopkins, um, Antonio Brown, and others, um, or when we look back. Or I'm sorry, that was Julio Jones and AJ Green. Or we look back at like the 2014 or 20 draft. Like I don't think there's anybody there. I think this is the best way I could put it. I think there's a lot of Chris Carter's in this draft. I think there's a lot of guys who are going to play for a long time. They're going to make a lot of catches, but I don't think any of them are going to be you know guys that we look at as number one receivers in the league at any point throughout their careers. Um, I see a lot of guys who are really talented. Judy, you hit the nail on the head. CD Lamb. But I also see a lot of guys who are flawed uh, in the in their um, when they get to an NFL pro level, you know, CD lamb, he's a great receiver, but is he going to be able to take the physicality of the NFL? Cause he's a very wiry guy. Jerry Judy isn't the most polished route runner, but at the same time, he has amazing hands, but does he have top in line speed to get away from corners? You know, we talk about KJ Hamler. He's not really all that big of a guy, but he just caught a lot of passes at Penn state. Can he, you know, get open? You know, there's a lot of guys who have the makings to be a good and great receiver, but it's all dependent on whether or not they take that extra step when they get into the league. There's nobody coming in, in my opinion, who's built to be a top in line receiver day one, like a Julio Jones or an AJ green or Deandre Hopkins like that. Who, what's your order of those top three guys? And uh, I mean, it may be different, but most top threes are some form of Judy lamb rugs. Yeah. I, I like, I like lamb's one. Um, I think that he, his, 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 in the air ball skills is unmatched. I think that him aggressively physical in the air is better than any receiver in this draft. Maybe other than maybe T Higgins. Um, you know, uh, when we look at a guy like Jerry Judy, I think that he's comparable to maybe, you know, a, a former teammate of his and Calvin Ridley or a former Alabama guy and Amari Cooper. One of those guys, I, I think he's in that kind of mode. And I don't like rugs. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> really? I, 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 I really don't. I don't like guys who their biggest asset is their top in line speed. How many of them can you name on the top of your head right now that actually work outside of Tyreek Hill? John Ross was the same way. Wiry kid, ran the fastest 40 time in the draft, and he's done absolutely nothing for Cincinnati because he can't stay healthy. That's my biggest issue with these guys. They use their speed so much so to get where they're at that they're not overly, they're not really polished. They come in and it's just go, go, go. But if you can't turn that speed, you know, a, a fast car is great until you have to turn. You know, <laughs> if you can't, you know, or break. So I think that those that I really don't like Henry Ruggs, I even like a guy like Justin Jefferson over him. Uh, because of his ability to, you know, run those types of routes and his ability in the air as well. So Ruggs, I'm on the fence. How, how do you <laughs> order those top three, Nick? It's interesting because I, I uh, as a college player, I, I just love watching C.D. Lamb play. I, I He was so fun to watch, and, and it's almost like at times he, he would float in the air uh, going up for balls and, and – for whatever reason, he was just always one of my favorite players to watch. Jerry Judy, I feel like uh, I, I was more awed by him as a sophomore than I was as a junior, if, if that makes sense. And that that gives me a little bit of a red flag. It's not, it's not huge, but I always want to see a player progress from one year to the next. And, and I'm not sure that Jerry Judy really grew that much as a player as a junior. And, and that's not to say that he won't 
you know, become an incredible pro. It's just something that that strikes me. And, and part of the problem is a guy like Henry Ruggs and and even, uh, you know, the guys that are still at Alabama, Devontae Smith and, and Jalen Waddell, are so athletic and, and gifted and talented, and there's only one football to go around. So, you know, it seemed like a, a different guy every week was stepping up and becoming the guy. And, and at times, Judy maybe, you know, fell behind a little bit when Smith goes out and breaks records one week and Ruggs goes out and, uh, you know, puts up an incredible uh, 40 time and, and, and things like that. So it, it it's a little bit understandable, but I, I worry just a little bit. I am, I'm a, I'm a sucker for, you know, combine numbers and, and things like that sometimes. So perhaps I'm buying into Henry Ruggs a little bit too much. I, I do remember, you know, thinking back to uh, when he was coming out of high school, he was actually uh, the number one ranked receiver in, in his recruiting class. And, and I know that things change over the three or four years between when a guy comes into college and, and when they're coming into the NFL draft. But I do keep a little bit of weight on that. And, and the fact that from just a raw talent standpoint, he was considered the best in the country. Uh, I, I remember that. I file it away. And the fact that, you know, his, his athleticism is still there with him. Uh, I, I'm a little bit of a sucker. I, I get sucked into, you know, the, the potential. I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for potential. And, and maybe, you know, he'll, he'll get me with that. But I'm, I'm, I, I have these guys almost slotted exactly you know, one, 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 but, right. <laughs> but I, I might lean towards rugs and, and then, uh, lamb and then Judy, but you know, I, I, I love think dissenting opinions. This is amazing because I, I go, <laughs> uh, I go, um, Judy first, then I go lamb, then I go rugs. So I, I think, and I like all three of these guys. And when I asked Emory Hunt about this too, who, you know, he is a scout. Uh, he, he almost, he didn't refuse to give me an answer, but he was like, well, we got uh, one guy as a slot, one guy as a flanker, and one guy as a wideout. So, and, that makes sense. And, and, and it does make sense. It does matter uh, what you have. Uh, real quick, uh, Xavier, uh, a couple guys from this class that you think stand out above the rest in a deep class. Um, as far as receivers are concerned, I think T. Higgins is going to be a guy that falls to day two that absolutely shouldn't. Yes, I understand he didn't run well at the combine. I don't care. Larry Fitzgerald hasn't run well for the last seven years. And I'm not saying T. Higgins <laughs> is, is going to be a Larry Fitzgerald, but size matters at the receiver position. I think that it's I think it's ridiculous to think that a guy who was as good as he has been in college it has is going to fall to the second round because he runs a, uh, a little bit slower. He than, didn't even you know, run. I think that was the problem. You know, was he didn't well, run think, and he gave a crappy excuse. He was like, I'm tired or whatever. So pe- people uh, flag him for that, but I don't care. I mean, he doesn't need the separation because he plucked so many of those balls out of the air anyway. I'm with you on Higgins for sure. Right. I, I really, really like Higgins. Another guy I like is, uh, we talked about him in the podcast today, cheap plug, um, is uh, the kid out of Liberty. I think he's going to be a guy who shocks a lot of people. I think, once again, he'll go day two, maybe day three. I think the team that gets him is going to really enjoy him. Uh, I think he'll, he's going to be on a lot of preseason lists to watch out for because um, of how explosive he was in college. He has the frame that, if you know, put in the right diet and the right nutrition. He's going to be a guy who builds out, who fills out really quickly and is going to be an epic, it could be an epic receiver in the league as well. Uh, Nick, do you have any of, uh, of those guys that you think uh, stand above the rest in a very, very deep class? I mean, it's, it's hard to narrow them down, man. They're, they are really, really deep. Well, 
So there are a couple of names that just jump out to me for for different reasons. Not that they stand above anybody else necessarily, but I'm really intrigued by Jalen Rager. He was not utilized to his full potential at TCU. Uh, They struggled at the quarterback position in 2018 and, you know, 2019 had a true freshman who's going to be really good, but, you know, just they weren't able to to get him the ball as best they could. He's he's an elite athlete. He's he's somebody that's putting up huge, you know, just incredible – eye-popping numbers from an athletic standpoint and I really want to see what an NFL coaching staff that's going to you know potentially uh put him in a position to to reach his full potential what what that will do for somebody like Jalen Rager I think he has an opportunity to be a much better pro than he was as as a college player Uh, a couple of other guys that jump out to me and, and Xavier hit on it a bit with big bodies I'm really intrigued by uh, college receivers that uh, turn into almost, you know, tight ends, if not complete tight ends, you know, somebody that can do similar things. And somebody like Chase Claypool jumps out at me. I, I've heard that, you know, there's there's been some uh, rumbling that he could be a, a tight end in, in the NFL. And, and that really, really intrigues me when you get somebody that is athletic enough uh, to play the wide receiver position at a high level like he did at Notre Dame. Really came on strong at the end of the year. I thought he used his body incredibly well, was very impressed with Chase Claypool down the stretch. To see him potentially be put in a position where he can, you know, put on uh, 20 pounds or something like that over, over the next few years and become one of the most athletic tight ends in the game, I think is is uh, something that would really, really intrigue me. And I'm sure there's some other guys down the list that could do that as well. Who knows? Maybe Antonio, uh, Antonio Gandy Golden could be somebody like that. He's listed at 6'4", 223, very similar to Chase Claypool, 6'4", 235. I mean, you know, he'd, he'd have to put on more weight. But those those frames, those big bodies that perhaps have the ability to, uh, you know, grow and develop as professionals and perhaps, you know, you can see somebody take a hybrid position or, or change position slightly uh, and add more of a dynamic element to that position really intrigues me. So Claypool sticks out, but I'm sure there are others as well that, you know, we could see similar things maybe in the later rounds as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I obvi- what was that, Xavier? I'm sorry. I was like, one name that uh, comes up to mind and definitely is somebody that I think fits that mold is definitely Donovan Peoples-Jones out of Michigan. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, big guy. I think got a really raw deal with a really trash passing unit at Michigan and is going to have an opportunity to make to turn a lot of heads at different positions um, when he gets into the league. I'm I'm with you on on uh, DPJ for sure. I mean th- this class this class is so deep. I mean we didn't even talk about like Lynn Bowden who right uh, oh play, love Lynn Bowden play quarterback <laughs> because uh you know the quarterback went down in Kentucky the whole year just such a team player and a great he was an All SEC wide receiver with all of these amazing wideouts coming out of the SEC the year in the year before in 2018. So this class right. is definitely deep, and I think one of the more interesting things uh, about this class and classes moving forward is I think we're just going to see more and more people talking about how this next class is so deep, this next class is so deep, because more teams are moving to high-powered, high-scoring offenses. So it's going to breed a better crop of wide receivers moving forward. So I do think those little things, and I'm not particularly, I, I don't like combine numbers, to be honest with you, because I think a lot of the time we're, we're checking it twice. 
You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, we knew Ruggs was going to be fast, and then he ran a fast time. So uh, I'm not really necessarily into combine numbers, but I think that's going to be the great separator uh, moving forward because I think when we're sitting here next year looking at the next wide receiver class with, you know, Jamar Chase probably being at the very top of it um, and Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith, it's going to be the same thing. We're going to look and say, this is super, super deep, but uh, that's going to wrap it up for us. Boys, I really appreciate you uh, joining me here on the radio to talk a little bit about the draft. Remember, you can follow these guys at CFB Winning Edge for Nick and at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E for Xavier, and you can follow me at Fogman Sports, and enjoy the draft, and we will be back here for you tomorrow and on Saturday to talk about some of these results, so take it easy, everybody. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.